You seem hungry. Good thing your table is ready with Fatterday Omaha. Fatterday Omaha. Eat this. This is Dave with Fatterday Omaha. We are here on another of our Food Recognized Food series where we talk to people in and around the restaurant industry about what they like to eat, all about their business, and learn more about the wonderful people that we have in Omaha and elsewhere, as we say, because uh, Fatterday is wherever we're eating. And in this case, I have a super awesome guest, and that is Brett Geiger of Izzy's Pizza Bus. Brett, how are you doing, man? Doing awesome, David. How are you? I am doing really, really well. In a turn of coincidence, I suppose, it is a little bit hotter in this studio uh, right now than would typically be, but it is also excessively hot outside as we Oh yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty much hot everywhere right now. This is crazy. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, for those that haven't been fortunate enough to try a pizza from Izzy's Pizza Bus, uh, you serve a Detroit-style pizza. That but uh, in, in your words, what is a Detroit-style pizza like? Or more importantly, what is an Izzy's pizza like? Um, we try to stay at least fairly true to the Detroit style. So um, Detroit-inspired might be the actual best term. But yeah, same thing. So Detroit style is a pan-proofed dough. Uh, some would call it a pan pizza, maybe a deep dish. It's not really a deep dish, but some other terms you might hear for it. So pan-proofed dough, uh, steel pan, proofed all the way to the edge with cheese uh, caramelized all around the top. Creates like a that crunch cheese crown on there. Uh, typically sauce on top, you know, not required. That's the way we do it. I like the freshness of the sauce on top. Yeah. Pretty much all the toppings on top, some cup of char pepperonis, you know, and get some of those on there. Get a little crisp saltiness on there. Little buckets of grease here and there, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that would be ours uh, pretty much in order of how it's built. Cooked in the, you know, the, is it eight by eight by 10? Uh, yeah, our or? size is an eight by 10. We call it kind of like a regular or a, it's, it's comparable to maybe like a medium some people call it a small, I guess. I'm a little fellow, though, so it's a, <laughs> it's at least a medium for me, though I have taken down almost a full one. So, ooh, yeah, ooh. I mean, there's different sizes, but that's uh, that size cooks really well. It's um, A lot of the reason for that size for me is uh, just how well it cooks and everything and how well it proofs. You know, one of the things about that pizza is you you get it and from uh, from Izzy's, right? It's cut in four slices, so everybody gets a corner, which yep. is great. So yep. you get that nice caramelized cheese on on the edge there. And it's a little deceiving because you're like, oh, there's four slices to this pizza. And you'll eat a slice, and you can't stop at just one. And you'll eat two, and then you have a really big decision to make. Odds are, if you hit that third slice, mm-hmm. you're going to be feeling really, really full by the time you hit the end of that third slice. It's, oh, yeah. It's deceit- I mean, that's what happens for me, at least. Yeah. yeah. If it's there, I'll definitely go for it. Usually my wife and I split one, so I don't get that chance. But <laughs> if she, for some reason, doesn't need it and I see it, I'm like, I'll try. There's no way I'm getting through it. But Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's it's so delicious, it's hard not to not to yeah. go for another slice anyway. Right? So right? That's... until my body tells me no, I'm just going. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before we we kind of kicked off the show here. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the art and science of pizza, as well as just you know Izzy's Pizza in general and kind of and what's happening there. So we're going to kind of interject. I, I've been trying to absorb and learn as much about pizza as I can. Uh, we had uh, Matt Frampton uh, on here of Urban Slicer. We did a two-part episode on making pizza, which was a lot of fun. Yep. I've um, enjoyed one part of it so far. Ah, excellent. Get, I got to get into part two. There's that. John Ray, Chef John Ray from Via Farina has been uh, very helpful with, awesome. uh, he's loan 
me a few of his books. Ken Forkish's Elements of Pizza has been yeah. kind of influential, uh, so much so uh, that my wife may have purchased me an entire bookshelf just for pizza books. And there so you go. You're gonna need one once you dive in there. You know it. You're seeing it already. Yes. Yes. Yep. And and one thing about the the pizza community that I've experienced so far, and you know, you went to uh, Pizza Expo in Vegas, I believe this yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We've been a few times. Yeah. That is some place that I really, really want to go next you year. You need to. It's it looks so fun, and it, it seems and and you know definitely help me out here because I've never been, but it looks like it is very much focused on the mom and pop, the medium sized pizza restaurant. This isn't like you know your big chains are, are no. showing up there right no you're never going to see any of that there it's all independent pizzerias pretty much there um the only chains you're going to see are the food vendors sure really, you know um and it is really really fun but for me the reason i go which is why you should uh, check it out as a pizza guy is uh, the learning you can sit in these yes. classes and learn from these pros for really it's maybe a couple hundred bucks for like you know all four days of classes oh wow that, it's not really not that bad. Um, and you can just take home tons of information and just come home way smarter like every time. So Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's a big reason we go. Uh, of course, the show floor rules. You just get to walk around and eat pizza and, you know, experiment, try new things. Like, you know, it's <laughs> right? amazing. And see some of the dough tossing and all these things. Yeah, the competitions are always fun. Uh, but yeah, definitely a really good place to learn. Um, that's my focus every year I go. I just like look out for that class schedule and hope I learn the most I can when we go. That's wonderful. And yeah. and that's what I've kind of experienced with the, you know, yourself and, and uh, folks that I kind of mentioned there too, is that the pizza community in Omaha and then the greater pizza community at large really seems to be, I, I guess the phrase is a rising tide lifts all boats. Everybody shares information. Most people don't hold those pizza cards too close to the vest. They'll talk to you about right. flowers and doughs and hydrations and things like that. Is that kind of your experience as well? Totally. Yeah. I'll give anyone any recipe. Sometimes people are like, oh, I'm so surprised you'll give that out, but it won't taste the same. Like any, any pizza chef can give you their exact recipe. You're never going to make it taste like that person. It yeah. comes down to their process, their, their room, their oven, their hands just in there. Like it's, it's completely different. For me, that's why I share all the info because it really doesn't matter. And I've learned by a lot of people doing that for me in the first place. So I feel like I should at least return the little bit I do know. That makes total sense. And it, it's so interesting that something as simple in its ingredients for the most part, you know, flour, water, salt, yeast. It's so simple. Um, and there it is. But how many different ways, depending on how you treat those ingredients, this thing comes out, whether it's a thin crust or a thick mm -hmm. crust or a deep dish. And I guess some of the Chicago style, right? You, you might add a little cornmeal or right. uh, Tony Gemignani really likes to add a diastatic malt to like, yep. if you read the pizza Bible, like everything in there. So yeah, that was my first book I started with. Yeah. Oh, that's a great book. Yeah, it's, it's a great one. Yeah. And so, you know, um, but yeah, there's all those things, things. I mean, blending flour, that's what we do. We blend flour and I change it all the time. There's always something new I want to try or like all the time is my pizza is never perfect, but I'm always, you know, trying to chase it somehow. So there's always something to change to like, oh, I've learned this. Oh, it does this. Especially the more batches you make and the, just the more you do it, you're just going to know it when you see it and when you feel it. So yeah, it's always fun just kind of finding a new flower and oh, we'll throw a few percent of that in there. Depending on the season, you change the yeast, you change the water, you change the salt. So yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, everything imparts different flavors. Or if you decide to do a, 
maintain a sourdough starter or you do like a poolish or a, a biga pre-ferment exactly. in advance. Yeah, it totally changes And everything. it can be the exact same formula, uh, you know, the same flour ratios, the same water and everything. But if you s throw just a starter in there along with all that, it's completely different. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's millions of ways. Yeah. And that's another reason, you know, I'll, sh I'll share it. Um, you know, even the temperature your flour is kept at is going to change it. So yeah. temperature, water, where you got your water, you know. Speaking of where the water comes from, of course, you know, some New York pizzerias will always tell you, ah, it's about the water. Yep. And then um, I think it's uh, uh, Falco in, in his book says it's not about the water. So, no, you know, we learned about that at Pizza Expo this last year, too, in a seminar. So I, oh. just, I just sit in on a water seminar and listen to some of that. It was pretty interesting. Ooh, any any tidbits it's, from there? Well, it's something to do with the aqueduct system they have coming from north of yeah. there that just the way it's plumbed in, I think. Something about there's a lot less chlorine, I believe, in the way that that system is designed. Wherever that water is actually coming from, just the system it goes through is a little bit cleaner than some more modern systems, less chemicals added to it, I guess. Gotcha. So they just have, you know, super good tap water, which that, that definitely works. And we, we were talking to Isaiah Sheese of uh, Archetype Coffee, and he actually made some coffee in studio, but he actually has a, a spot locally here that actually formulates his water for him to make mm -hmm. sure like the mineral rate or whatever is the right things. And so it's interesting how you can get into the science of that. Yep. Um, for those that don't have the longstanding history of Izzy's Pizza Bus, you started the bus in Vegas, correct? Correct. So how did you have to change the dough or your process or things coming to Nebraska? Totally different climate and, and a random climate here for sure. So like what what happened? What was your process of switching or figuring it out? Uh, frustration mostly <laughs> for quite, yeah, for quite a bit. That was a frustrating first few months. Uh, some phone calls, some research, just trying different flowers again. Like once we got here, you know, we're going, we're coming from like four percent humidity to whatever it is here on what you know any given day in yeah, the summer so because we got in here in the summer so i was just making really sticky dough and the flour we used to use there wasn't available here so you know i'm trying to figure out what to even use in the first place yeah um, with what the suppliers have here it comes down to that hydration level a lot here um, yeah. you just can't use quite as much as you can use in the desert even down to the oil and everything temperatures of the water temperatures of the flour all that stuff. So in, in the process of my learning, reading all of these books, I have worked to, you know, try a lot of the recipes out of these books and the techniques out of these books and make the author's pizza. And one of the things that I've been trying to figure out is what is Dave Zorko's pizza? What do I want it to be? Yep. You, know, you know, things I've written down are, you know, I would like when the when the dough is cooked, I'd like to smell it and smell something good. You mm -hmm. know, I want it to smell like something. You know, I, I would like these different attributes. So when you're trying to adapt to the new climate or new flower, like how do you go about evaluating knowing that you're turning out the product that you, you want to at each stage, I guess? Just... Cooking lots of them, really, for me, in the end, it's all about just, like, trying one. And, you know, with pizza, as you know, unfortunately, it takes a few days because of the dough yeah. fermenting and then, you know, everything proofing and just finally getting to use it. Um, it's not something like, oh, I can go make a batch and test it. Right. So it is a long process, unfortunately. But uh, And then, you know, the bags of flour we buy is 50 pounds. I have to, you know, <laughs> go through, like, a ton of it before you switch to another one. And you're like, ooh, this one, maybe this one rises better. This one lasts longer. 
in the heat. There's a lot of things just because we're mobile and we have to do everything at the mercy of pretty much whatever the weather is, where a lot of our processes are based on that. You know, I'll just go until I'm looking for, you know, the right amount of rise that lasts X amount of hours in X heat, you know, Mm. in that season. uh, And that's going to work for me at least for a while. For our style of pizza, too, I prefer to do a fresh bake. Some people will do the par bake. Oh, um, sure. Which is, yeah, the partially baked doughs just so you can kind of get that bread set and then you can just do whatever. I'll use those if we have to based on the weather. Mm -hmm. Uh, We prefer a fresh bake. So whatever I can do to try to figure that dough out where it's going to last, you know, and give us what we're looking for. It's kind of interesting, you know, it, I mean, you could make a same day dough, but a lot of the, yeah, I mean, I've done it a bunch, but the, know, to just build that flavor yep. though is, is what yeah. you're really looking for there. And with yours, do you do like a cold ferment or how yes. do you, okay. And, and so kind of walk me through the, the creation process. Do you have a sourdough starter? Do you do a poolish? Do you, how do you put your dough together? Um, no, nah, we'll just do kind of a direct mix method right now just because commissary life, at least up until now, it's getting a little more regular being our spot we have now. But um, yeah, it's kind of just been random rooms or random warehouses and not really temperature controlled. So I haven't ever added a starter to our business dough. I gotcha. played with them at home is all sure. about. So now it's just uh, flour, water, yeast, salt, and oil. Like I said, that mixture varies depending on the weather. But we'll mix it up. Just got a brand new mixer. And nice. That's another new toys. Reason, oh, man. It's another reason it stinks to take this week off because I got this oh. big giant mixer and I've used it once. I'm like dying to use it. So, yeah, I'll just I'll just throw everything in the mixer. We use a spiral mixer. I don't mm. know if you have uh, any experience with those. It's a little kinda, bit more of a corkscrew type yep, uh, scenario yep. there. Nice and gentle on the dough. You can fit a lot in a spiral mixer bowl, bowl just the way it operates, too. So it's space-wise, it's kind of nice, too. Yeah. Um, I just like the way it mixes dough. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, I'll get it out and I'll let it proof for ours at room temp for maybe like two hours just to kind of like get things going depending on the temperature of the room or the season. Uh, and then throw it in the fridge at least overnight. Uh, two days I like a lot, but yeah, we're also at the mercy of commissary life is a shared space. So sure. I only have so much fridge room, you know. So by the time we add cases of cheese, cases of pepperoni, oh, yeah. bins of dough, everything just kind of adds up. So I usually only get a day or two out of the dough. Three days is really nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I know if I'm making pizza at home, I got a little bit more of a luxury because yep. I'm only making pizza for me or a friend. I'm yeah, not you making can go pizza a week for... if you want. You're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Ooh, and I want to want to get to that kind of trade off of of time and flavor. But uh, so when you're you're mixing your dough and you let it sit out for about two hours or so, that's usually bulk fermenting, right? Or yes, just all in one. Yeah, piece? we just ferment them in tubs. So after you do that, that bulk ferment for two hours out, do you then divide it up into pans and then do the cold ferment in nope. pans? Nope. I just uh, leave it as a bulk. I'll do like one or two stretch and folds on it before it goes in the fridge. Yeah. Um, just to kind of, you know, get that gluten just really built up and it makes a nice texture out of it. And then just throw it in the fridge that way because comes down to some of our process again is unique just being in a food truck and doing it out in the heat and everything like I said we've learned how to manage time and dough where we just get it out of there and since we need it into a rectangle anyway so I don't really turn it into balls because that's just time and space and I just have to change it later anyway yeah so we'll just cut it right out of the dough bins weigh it throw it in a pan in the bus like before the gig and then it just it's usually so warm in there by the oven we have some racks and we just proof it back there 
kind of acts as our like proofing box back there by the oven. Yeah, yeah, because you got to let it warm up a little bit before you throw it in the oven after you take it out of the fridge, right? Yeah, let it sit for like an hour and then we'll do the final push just to get all the dough to the edge and everything. After that, it rises uh, basically until it's used anywhere from an hour to three hours, depending on the shift. Then it just puffs up all nice in there and that's pretty much all we do. Try not to overdo it. Try to keep everything simple, you know. I've added things and I've done the diastatic malts and non-diastatics and all these things that you're talking about. Um, yeah. Just for us, just keeping it simple seems to work the best, even down to the process. Sure. I used to try to ball that dough and it just like, for me, it's like I'm turning this into a rectangle and it's just like weird and I have to do multiple stretches with it. Why don't we just cut it out, you know, cut that whole process out and save space and time. So. Yeah. I uh, have, uh, again, going down the pizza uh, development rabbit hole, I've bought a couple of those pans too, and uh, Good. they they work great. Uh, baking is definitely a science. Yes. And uh, especially with pizza, not only are you trying to be exact with your individual ingredients, and then like you were saying, if it's warmer or colder or whatever, you may have to adjust. And I definitely want to talk about that because I'm very curious about, about how you see when you need to adapt. But uh, how big is the dough ball dough portion in this case, because we're not balling it, that you right. put in that 8 by 10 pan? Um, I weigh everything in grams. Just uh, I like the metric system. It sure. makes a lot of sense to me. So, Math uh, works much uh, better that way. <laughs> met- metrics, so superior. I love it. Yes. But yeah, we go 255 grams, give or take, you know, just a couple here and there. It's not going to make a huge difference. Sure. I believe it's just under nine ounces, I think. Gotcha. Might be eight. Again, I don't. I just go grams. I don't really remember. So <laughs> no, I like the two fifty five because for for me personally, I, I've kind of fallen in love with doing like a two fifty at home just yeah. because in my head that the math works out even easier. Two fifty to two sixty. If you're proofing it right, that's like because even then, if depending on the dough you made, it's it can still be pretty bready. Sure. Then you're. I mean, it's fine, but then it's like so tall and so bready. You got to put a lot of stuff on there to kind of balance everything. Yeah, and even if I'm doing like a, uh, we'll say a Neapolitan-ish or a uh, a New York style or something, that size of of ball tends to make a a decently sized pizza where you can you know, get a good crust on it still, but it's right. not too giant for my my home oven, which right, is which exactly. is helpful. Yeah. So so two two fifty two fifty five, and we talked we mentioned hydration earlier. So that being how much water per your quantity of flour that you're putting in. So if I've got a thousand grams of flour and I've got 750 grams of water, then I'm at a 75% hydration, right? Okay, cool. So how about Izzy's dough? What do you, what do you shoot for? Right about 69 right now. I try to go, I like like low seventies, but again, with this climate here, I've had to go down just a little bit, um, especially for the summer. Yeah. Right now we're 68, 69, somewhere right in there. Winter, I'd say we're more 71, 72, a little bit higher. Being that it's so it's warmer now as we are talking, and you said you've had to scale back a little bit on the water. Why? Why? What happens if you're still up at 71% or something along those lines? Um, Just everything out in that bus when it's like well over 100 degrees and that dough's sitting there, um, it just kind of starts to get hot and the the yeast you know when it's when it's that warm it just starts eating everything and then uh just gets spent a lot quicker so that dough's gonna sink so for us we're looking for to try to get as you know as puffy and a a cloudy pizza as like i say out of it as we can 
So if it sits there too long, once you add those toppings on there and it's not a parbake, it's just going to start sinking because it's got no strength left. Oh, so it's so the yeast has already burned through its its yeasty ability. Yeah, and... it's so warm in there and it's already been fermenting for a day or two or whatever anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's almost at its life then. In that case, you know, if it's getting to that point and we have some time, we will parbake those and then still use them the same day and they're still really awesome if you do that. Yeah. Like same day parbakes are really good. But otherwise, yeah, it's it just comes down to once you add some weight on there, it's just going to deflate and die. So Gotcha. And, and that kind of makes sense too when we're talking about, you know, uh, aging, you know, cold uh, fermenting in the fridge or whatever. Because if you let it go too long, the yeast is still going to be done, and but you get more flavor the longer it sits there and ferments. Yep. So there's there's a balancing act that you're right. you're playing there for strength and flavor as and well. And with the water too, like you're asking, like the, uh, I guess finally answering that I kind of <laughs> went <laughs> no, off it's all good but it's just the the dough will be a little drier therefore just have a little bit more structure to it during the summer so if I just put less water in there essentially you can do a little more and get away with a little more when it's not dying as quickly in the winter you know you were mentioning even trying different types of yeast so depending on the the yeast that you get it's yep. going to react differently as well totally um and I hear that's a big benefit of you know using some sort of a starter like a sourdough starter or whatever you're going to use would like to start playing with it a lot just you know time isn't on my side for some sure. some of these experiments that we need to do but I would love to I know that it would lead to a much more stable and more consistent dough over time for sure as I get used to it so would yeah. love to experiment with that so you're using a, a, a dry yeast is it like an active dry yeast or an instant yeast or, or we're using active dry yeast active I've dry tried both I like the performance and the flavor with the active dry yeast so I just bloom it with a little warm water let that sit for you know 15 minutes before I add it to the batch it's kind of interesting because you're saying switching between you know summertime at like 68 or, or whatever than the winter time like 71 that's not a lot of percentage points difference but yields such a taste and performance difference in the dough but that's not a big tweak most people probably won't even notice it it's just we do like i do because we touch so many thousands of it. them you know like all the time so it's like you just really notice that change for us especially just down the line you know we're trying to make them look as consistent and as awesome as possible and like three hours into the shift they start looking a little flatter you're like oh and that's you know where all this learning comes from it's just like okay a few hours in is it holding up like it was at the beginning mm. nope all right well let's try less water let's try less yeast let's try different flour the other thing is too you know much you know food truck life food bus life in this case too is yep. you're already out of the commissary like the dough is on the bus yep right so you're you're going whatever you've got in there is is what you're rolling with yep. pretty much right yeah that's it i like to say this is our band kind of so like we're yeah. going to do our shows you know so it's like oh we gotta go and we gotta set up for the gig and it's like oh we'll talk to you later we got you know <laughs> yeah so it's like what if the microphone goes out you know what i mean it's the same kind of thing you just roll with it just that's part of the fun of the job too that's yeah. why i like doing the mobile thing kitchens are cool and everything but i don't know something about that life for just moving around and yeah i feel like it's gonna make me and you know our crew and anyone that works on a food truck much better of a you know for me a pizza cook because of the different climates and the different things we've had to do to adapt oh yeah absolutely if we ever do get some kind of a room it's like hopefully i'll be able to you know rock it because we'll have something consistent right with everything we learned so well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, like you said, you're able to adapt to just about anything because you have to. You we know, have. I mean, we've <laughs> cooked in the desert. I've cooked in the middle of, literally in the middle of the desert um, wow. in a sandstorm. Um, oh, my gosh. You know, we've cooked in blizzards and snow. We've, you know, like back and forth, like heat, rain. 
hail, wow. name it, you know? So <laughs> yeah, it's been cool. Well, and I, I like the fact too that, you know, for those that haven't seen the bus, the bus is super fun. I mean, first of all, it's a bus. So it, it's a bus. It's a bus. And it's a cool looking bus because you've got the, the red and yellow happening. You've got the big Izzy's pizza bus. I vibe it out there. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You've got the, I, I love the swing out uh, pizza stop sign. Um, right. I don't use it enough. <laughs> that thing yeah. is awesome. My daughter painted it. I got, it's a little faded. We were told her she had to update it soon. So. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Getting, getting her to contribute to the, to the bus. Yeah. That is yep. fantastic. She's Izzy, by the way, if anyone doesn't know. So. So the reason Izzy's pizza bus is. Izzy's Pizza Bus is you got because it. of daughter Izzy. You got it. That's awesome. Yep. So there is there is the history behind the yep. behind. And the she name. helped create the sauce too. So really, that's fun fact. Yep. Oh, super sat, fun. Sat down, had couldn't settle on which kind of seasonings we wanted to use in there. Or whatever. Sat down with four or five bowls one night, and just like try this one, try this one, try this one. And uh, the one she picked is the one we use, and people love it, and we love it, and it's the simplest one. It's just Seven uh, Eleven tomatoes, garlic, and sea salt, and that's it. That's super fantastic. basic. So. Yeah, I, I actually had ordered a uh, a side the last time I was out there and got, uh, I just went for a cheese pizza, the classic, and then um, got a side of sauce. And I'm pretty sure I caught a nice slice of garlic um, and with that sauce. So nice. Um, and in true uh, Pizzaolo uh, fan to, you know, the ingredients are making sure that, you know, get to start with quality to come out with quality on the other end. Absolutely. And, you know, that's so cool that you're just, you know, that, the, also, I guess it's Occam's razor. The simplest solution is usually the best. Um, and that's perfect. That's what I was saying earlier. Like there's no reason to, you know, overdo a lot of this stuff, especially with pizza. If you just get good stuff, you can keep it really basic and simple and it's amazing. That's wonderful. And and so in in the bus, so you have two ovens in there? Or is there uh, one? Just the one. It just has the one. Four, four decks on it. Four decks. Okay. That's sometimes it. I feel like I'm rocking it like there's two ovens in there. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and how many how many pizzas can the bus slang in a day? In a full day, I mean, we're still getting to that point, especially now with this new mixer. We, per shift, we do a three to four hour shift usually when we'll go out to a you know a bar or brewery or whatever. We're at about 120 right now is about our max with wow. our space in there. Wow. Um, by the time you stack up all those pans, put all that cheese and ingredients and meat in the fridge, it's, everything's just maxed out. So that's about it. But yeah. it's still a lot. 120 pizzas in three to four hours is a lot of pizza. Yeah, that's wild. And that's one of those things where as a, uh, you know, budding home uh, pizza maker is that I've had a goal for myself of cooking pizza once a week and I'll turn out, you know, three or four pies a week just to make sure I'm consistently learning, consistently trying. I mean, you get that done like before. But that feels like start. a lot, right? It like does. I, even when I do it at home now and I make two or three, I'm like, man, this is so much work because I have a outdoor, a little outdoor oven that I just oh, nice. bought. So, you know, playing with my little uni in the backyard. Those are cool if you don't have one. But yeah, I just even just making a few for that. So I know, you know, I know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Make, make me feel a little bit better here too. Cause I suppose running it at scale is, is a little bit different, but even starting, you still are weighing everything out, portioning everything out. Still takes the same amount of time. Yeah. It, true. True. It's like time wise, you're spending the same amount, really. You just have different equipment and sizes. That's all. That's true. That's but, a, that's a good point. Thank you for what that. Do you, what would you save like three minutes on a mix by doing a bigger mix? It's like, yeah. Yeah, as long as you so got there. the bigger mixture, you're good. You're still go hustling the pizza life. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I you know, you were mentioning the the time put in that you have to wait for the result. Yeah. And I was thinking about this the other day and it and pizza reminds me a lot of 
barbecue. You know, a lot of the really good barbecue places, we've got a couple around town where you're spending hours and hours, maybe, you know, 12, 18, 24, whatever it is, smoking this meat. And then that's how long you have to, to see what happens. And although with barbecue, you can still make some adjustments in there. Once you get the dough together mm-hmm. for pizza, it's going. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> things, things like that. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be a few, you know, catastrophic things of course with the barbecue, but uh, sure. Um, yeah. If you don't have dough, you can't literally you can't, do anything. Can't do anything. At least maybe you'd have a different meat or something, but yeah. That's true. And, and I <laughs> no, can... we've done that too. Like I think it was one of our last events at one of our favorite places in Las Vegas before we moved here, we got there and just that dough wasn't rising. It was literally like those like dollar fifty, like Totino's pizzas oh at like my. Walmart or whatever. It was like that thick. It wouldn't do anything. I don't know what Whoa. was wrong. But yeah, we had. I mean, we had to cancel because of that. So, wow, yeah, it happens. <laughs> wow. So you, so you, in that case, you're like, no, sorry, this isn't an Izzy's pizza. We're yeah. Not, so we can't know. even open it all. You know, wow. like we don't have anything to use. So yeah, and like barbecue, you put in all the that work and time, and then you're you're open up. Once you're done for the day, like on barbecue, you sell out a brisket, yep. you sell out a pulled pork, same thing with pizza. Yep. You only have so many because it's going to take you another two days, three days to get the next batch ready to go. Yep. Wow. And think of, I think that every time we go to like one of the breweries that we vend at or something like the time, you know, those guys have as well. It's like, think of oh you know, yeah, weeks to months and then it comes out and <laughs> hopefully it's awesome. Yeah. Usually, <laughs> those, I mean, everyone's pretty skilled, you know, with the, the same experience as us, you know, pizza sure. makers. So, you know, if folks are enjoying a, you know, a pizza from Izzy's from any place that does put the extra days and time and hour and heart into that pizza, it comes out in that product. And there's, you know, there's a reason that you're not getting a pizza for a buck 50 because you, I mean, the labor and ingredients and everything that you have to put in there right. is multifold like that love costs money like not everyone that makes you know that makes pizza is doing it for the love of pizza you know so right trying to do that and trying to give pizza the proper respect as a food that it's due that some of us pizza nerds feel you know that that's the way it should be done because there's already frozen pizzas and stuff out there like why am i trying to make a cheap one yeah like there's there's no point in that. I started making pizza because I was I wanted to eat it every day and I was sick of paying for it. So mm-hmm. why would I want to chase the cheap version, you know? Yeah. And that's and it, that's just translated into the business, you know. It's you can tell when you eat it. You know as a customer of any food really. Yeah. Like you know when they're using good stuff. You can tell. Your sauce to me is is very bright. It's not an afterthought. It's it's right. a purposeful ingredient and yep. I I enjoy that uh, about it. And, you know, the same thing with the cheese. You know, there's some pizzas that you eat that it's just like, oh, okay, there's there's some stringy something or other on here. And that's one of the things for, you know, me working, attempting a pizza at home. And I've done this with an Izzy's pizza. Um, and I've done this with other pizzas too, so not just unique to Izzy's. But <laughs> I'll take a fork and I'll grab some of that Mott's yeah. or whatever type of cheese is on there. Yep. And it's like, can I taste it? Does it have a good amount of salt? I like something that has just a yep. little bit of saltiness mm-hmm. to it, something that's really tasty. There's a good on its own. And is the sauce good on its own? Is the crust good on its own? And I enjoy your pizza very much for, for those things. In fact, I may have been known to grab a slice, take the toppings off, and just enjoy the crust all good. by itself. Good. Do it, man. 
Do Man. it. And, and the, However you do it is how you do it. <laughs> with, without, let's see, without stepping on some type of Hershey's uh, copyright, there's no incorrect way to eat an Izzy's pizza. Right, <laughs> right. You got it. Well, the, I did have a, a question regarding that crust from, we'll say, a fan of the show. Okay. And she wanted to know how the interior is just is so fluffy. How is it so fluffy? Um, yeah, I mean, if we've done it right, if it came out right, it definitely should be at least somewhat fluffy. It's just that pan proofing, like putting it in there and just not, if you're going to leave it in the fridge for a day or two or three or five or whatever you're going to do, it's nature's doing work in there. So why take it out and smash all that work? You might as well have not let it do all that work. You might as well throw in a dough relaxer in there and made it same day and called it done. So just letting nature do all that fermentation and build all those gases in there and then trying not to kill as little of that as possible and then let it kind of rebloom a little bit before we use it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just the key that I've found for our dough you know, in particular is just trying to keep it up there. That's how we do it. Just trying not to kill it because nature's doing its thing and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see it, see it blossom in the oven, you know, and <laughs> kill it in there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you fed it very, very well and it has, yeah. you know, hit the end of its wonderful life right. at, as a pizza crust. So, so that is good there. And that um, all comes down to the, you know, the nerdy stuff again, the flour blend and just the experience and the right amount of everything. It's just cooking tons and tons and tons of different ones and making them until it's right. So. Yeah. Keeping a notebook, definitely like for you, keep a notebook, learn, you know, what the weather was that day, what the flower was you used, if you liked it, if you hated it, what it did, all that stuff. Adjusting to the temperature outside and stuff, and, and maybe you don't have to do this as much because you've made it so often, but after you do your first mix in the mixer and you're about to bulk ferment, do you take the dose temperature before you let it mix to see what the temperature Yeah, I pretty much base everything. To? I mean, making dough is still a form of cooking so it's all time and temp still yeah. so that's what i do everything is time and temp i temp the water before it goes in i kind of know the flour just because of the room sure um so i don't have to temp that but get the right temp of water and then i pretty much mix to a certain temperature i don't have a fancy enough mixer to have that some of them have that it's like what? stop have it, it like a temperature sensor yeah in it'll the... stop oh. at whatever temperature you your target is and stuff but yeah that's what i'm aiming for right right now i like around 72 degrees fahrenheit for a temp so you know, I know where to start the water, where 10 to 12 minutes, whatever down the line, it's going to be 72 degrees when it's done. So Yeah, because you have to calculate for the, the friction from the mixing process yep. is going to heat Heats things it up, up. Because it's moving everything. That's another thing about those spiral mixers. They won't do that crazy like, like your, you know, your KitchenAid style is a planetary style mixer that right. just kind of whips everything a bit. Yeah. So it warms it up more. Um, yeah. That's another reason I like the spiral. It's just a little calmer. Yeah, and well, especially because you're going to cold ferment your dough. You don't want to heat it up too much because then kind of right. like we were talking about the temperature outside being hot, if the yeast start going crazy, they're going to expend themselves before they get a chance to just yep. slowly, slowly cold ferment and then yep. make that whole thing happen. I mean, if you use a lot colder water with one of those style mixers, you'd be okay. But yeah, otherwise you have to, it's going to start going really quick. You got to get it into the fridge fast. Do you use a... A filtered water, a tap water, or do you have a, a preference out there? Because I've, I've heard tell that like if you have too much mineral in your water that your dough might not be um, as extensible, something that you can stretch nicely. It might be more elastic, meaning that it wants to pull back on itself. Where yep. Granted, in this case, you're, you're not doing a ball 
and a hand stretched as much, but it still needs to be able to nicely spread out. It still needs to relax and do its thing for sure. I just use tap water. Most places have perfectly fine tap water. You can get all that information on the municipal water, you know, websites for pretty much any city. And you can look it up and it's fine. If you want to adjust something here or there, you can. There's stuff you can, you know, add or you can learned a few tricks at Pizza Expo. Like I was saying, I went to a water class and learned all that. So, you know, putting your water out and leaving it open, get, what is it, get the oxygen out of there or something. I don't, there's different things you can do. Uh, You can also just buy jugs of filtered water. Sure. Um, If you like the way one performs, you can find that pH information and their mineral information. So if you just kind of like one of those, that's what I was doing in Las Vegas for a little while. Yeah. I had to keep it in the fridge to keep it cold anyway. So I figured for consistency's sake, I'd just start buying like cases of whatever it was, Arrowhead or something at Costco. Oh, sure. You can literally use anything. Just see if one works better or not. Likely, unless you're making a ton of them, you're not going to notice much of a difference. The temperature is what you want to watch more than where you got it from in in my experience. So we were talking about flowers and, and blending flowers and those type of things. And uh, a lot of people talk about the the protein percentage in, in flour. Mm-hmm. And uh, depending on what style of pizza you make or honestly having read a billion different books now, it's, it just really depends on the pizziolo, the, the, the person using it, really how much protein they want. So do you have a protein percentage that you shoot for in your flowers or what, what do you kind of look for in that, that space? I don't honestly nerd out too hard on the gluten or the percentage profiles. Like I gotcha. kind of go for like what styles of flowers, you know, like a patent or a bread flower. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, right now we're mixing a white wheat flour with a patent flour, which is very similar, like basically a bread flour. Yeah. I like the white wheat because I like to get some like whole wheat in there, but it, like straight up whole wheat flour is a little bit heavy and chewy for our style of pizza, I felt. Yeah. Um, and the white wheat still has a lot of that strength and structure while just not being quite so heavy. Yeah. So I'll blend some of that in there. Um, and it's very heavy protein as well. So that boosts up the protein and the gluten a little bit. And then just the bread flour for the rest of it right now. I'm again, just kind of going visually on a lot of it. I kind of, I'm just know what I'm looking for. So I'm kind of just blending, you know, till I find it. Yeah. I haven't found it. We'll see if I ever find it. But. <laughs> I think the, the pursuit, uh, I, I've definitely heard it said that, you know, there there is no perfect pizza. It's the pursuit of perfection. And that's, you know, fun is that journey of, you know, figuring out. It's what so you fun. Have eat. you not eaten like a bunch of good pizza, right? Just trying to yes. figure it out. Right. Even the bad ones are probably still awesome. Even the bad ones are are still awesome. I tried to do a uh, Chicago style and, uh, you know, I had the the right pan and the whole bit. Yeah. And the the sides of the cornichone, the the crust actually fell off the sides of the pan and folded in. Oh, nice. I did it with something that kind of looked like a pie. It was still good. Still awesome, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's still those same ingredients. I'm still going to eat it. Okay. It didn't work out, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's still a pizza. It wasn't production ready, but it was still tasty. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, it seems like there's a running joke too, as far as, you know, launching pizzas, which one thing about doing a pizza in a pan is you don't have to worry about that as much, but. Oh, that's, we can get into all the details why I like pans. Yeah. (laughs) There's like a running joke, right? If you screw up launching a pizza in the oven, you just make a calzone. That seems to be the the running thing. And there you go. So nothing wrong with a calzone. No, just fold it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Tell them you did that on purpose. (laughs) That's right. That was a, that was a new thing I'm working on. Yeah. It's it's a calzone (laughs) special today. Mm, So, (laughs) well, when you're, when you're putting your your dough in those those eight by ten pans, and the Detroit style pan has kind of those trapezoidal structures to it, kind of a higher edge that lets that cheese get around the edges of the 
of a crust there and mm-hmm. get in and get that nice um, crispy pizza or frico on the on the outside the there, frico. right? It's called yeah, ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that super crunch that it, that adds a, a salty, crunchy element to the pizza because you're you know a Detroit style pizza has so many different things, be it the you know the sauce being well saucy and the cheese being a little more stringy and the dough being fluffy and the crunchy on the outside. Many, many things there. So I tried making focaccia, doing a pan style uh, recently, last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I had read and, and seemed to experience is you you put the dough in the pan and then you can get a lot of air underneath of the dough. And one of the things I've, I've heard and tried seemed to work was lifting up the dough a little bit to kind mm-hmm. of push some of that that air out of there. Do you have to do the same thing for a Detroit oh, yeah. style? And, and how do you make that work so you make sure that the thing lays flat and does what it's supposed to do? Touch thousands of them and realize what it feels like to have that little bubble under there. It happens all the time. Yeah. Um, and if you're not paying attention, you'll, you'll definitely just leave it there. And then you'll find that like a pizza that's totally domed in the oven. Like, oh, wow. Basically, that bubble just grew under there and your pizza is now shaped like this, like the, the <laughs> dome at the zoo. You know, uh-huh. like, it's crazy. <laughs> but no, you just uh, when you're pushing, you can kind of just see one other part of the dough like start to pop up. Uh-huh. You're like, oh, there's a little air under there. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Like you're saying, just kind of lift one side very gently where you're not squeezing the, the junk out of it. Yeah. Uh, and just lift it up, let that air escape, lay it back down. You and, know. and how do you make sure you do that without the dough attaching to your hand or uh, ruining the inflation? Is there, do you, you know, or is it just um, the dough is works well enough that you don't have to worry about that? You can just pick it up and it's both, not so sticky. Yeah, but we use a blend of uh, canola oil and extra virgin olive oil ah, in our pans. Some nice. people use Crisco and stuff just to get it to stick to the edge and all that. I don't, I don't really like the way that cooks. Sure. Um, I like what the oil does to it. Yeah. It almost kind of like fries it a little bit. Yeah. A tiny bit on the bottom. It's just yummy. I like it. That being said, there's oil on my fingers when I'm touching the dough, so it doesn't stick. Got you. You're all set. And that's yep. that was one thing that I had pretty good luck in making the focaccia because it's full of olive oil everywhere. Yeah, it's so not it wasn't stick. sticking to anything. There's no way it's sticking to you. If it does, like... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we got a problem. Yeah, so. you're magic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm probably more likely for the dough just to like shoot off the pan from being uh, too oiled than, than right. I am for it to stick. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people will use the Crisco or whatever. Just uh, it, it, it makes the process easier. I just don't like the way it cooks. And you, you can actually get a lot of those bubbles you're talking about under there um, because it has stuck so much to the edge. It lets you push the dough out a lot quicker because it just is really tacky. But yeah. I don't know. For me, the, it just didn't work for us. So so you've got the dough in the pan, and you said that for, for your pizza, you don't par-bake usually. You, you you put that in there, you get your toppings right on and throw it in and, yep. and ready After to go. After it's proofed up about a third of the way up the pan, that's pretty much ready to rock. Yeah, we'll just uh, – and everything's weighed out, weighed or counted. You know, we try to portion everything. If you've come multiple times or even seen our photos, it's pretty consistent. We try to keep everything. You, you know what you're going to get when you come to us, so – so what temperature are you cooking your pizzas at in the pizza bus? Right around 500. Keep it right around there. Our oven fluctuates a bit here and there, depending on how many pizzas are in there. Pizzas steal the heat. Dang pizzas. So. <laughs> Always taking your heat. <laughs> so yeah, right around 500. You know, that's something that you can attempt in the home oven because your, oh, yeah. your home oven's going to hit 500. Yeah, you know, so you I mean, it. you can use a stone or, uh, you know, a baking steel, which I highly recommend over I a lo- stone I for anyone. I have a steel. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Just spend the money and get one. It'll last your entire life. Before I had the steel, I had two stones, and one just completely blew up and cracked See? the other day, and the steel won't. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, cracking the cracking steel. Cracking the steel, I dare you. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah. No, they're awesome. And they cook really well and they retain heat really well. Uh, they're very heavy, but you can just leave them in your oven unless you need the space. That's what we did. But you don't even need that. You can just literally, because it's a pan, you know, you just throw it in the oven. Just preheat your oven for half hour, 45 minutes. You're good. I mean, you could start buying a backyard pizza oven, but you can start your pizza journey at home with you the equipment you do it in a toaster oven. Yeah. I, would, I would take it to my job at Cirque that I used to have and just cook them in the toaster oven in the break room. I'd cook a oh, 8 by 10 Detroit in the toaster <laughs> oven, you know? So, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I like pan pizza, but um, yeah, that's one of the cool things about it. The other thing with a pizza like that, too, if you want to load it up with toppings, you can. Although I would assume that because, like you said, you want to maintain the oven spring, the the fluffiness factor yep. there. You could probably only get so many toppings on there before you might have to parbake it ahead of time be- yeah. to load it up, right? Oh, yeah, so. big time. Like we have one that's called the Baby Love. It's our supreme mm. uh, pizza, but it's just too much on there, in my opinion. People love it, so I keep it on there. I, I would honestly cut it in a heartbeat and not even blink. Um, it's just too much. There's a limit to balance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that one's starting to push it for me. There's just, I like three or four things on there. Yeah. You know, maybe you can drizzle something or put some ricotta cheese or something on top that's different than just like tons of meat or tons of whatever on there. Like that's just throwing stuff on for the sake of you being hungry, you know, it's like, <laughs> which is fine. But yeah, there's something about balance. That's what we try to do. Totally agree. And and that way you can taste those different ingredients. And, and especially with a pizza where two slices, maybe two and a half are going to fill you up too. If you start loading on too many toppings, I mean, that's going to be, oh, that's, that's a right. heavy, heavy slice. Right. So. Yeah. You should be pretty good with two slices. I mean, if not more power to you, but yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. If you're super <laughs> maybe hungry. Maybe eat an apple or something, fruit, yeah. <laughs> like gra- grab something on the side. <laughs> Speaking of that and, and the good luck on a, on a typical Izzy's pizza or, you know, Detroit style or, or yours, cause you know, the ratios, how much cheese are you putting on that little eight by 10 pizza? Uh, 240 grams. We recently went up just a tiny bit because the cheese pull was dope. So I kept it. I accidentally put that much on. I was like, I kind of like it. It cooked well. Yeah. 240 grams. So so you almost have an even ratio. Close. Almost. Dough to cheese ratio. Almost. To get that right cheese pull that you want. But any less and it's kind of just like too bready anymore and it's too heavy and oily. So, you know, it's again, it's all about that balance. That is one thing that I, I learned attempting the uh, the aforementioned resultant pie uh, Chicago style. I went ahead for the full fat mozzarella instead of yeah. using the part skim. It's pretty wet, right? It was a grease pool. It yeah. needed some serious help. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah be careful with, with that. So <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, we have a blend of cheese. Ours is a brick cheese and a, and a mozzarella, but the mozz is whole milk. So yeah, um, it's one thing that's really bothered me for a long time. I'm kind of over it now because it just is what it is and you can't get that flavor without it, but is kind of the, the liquid or the grease underneath some of the pizzas sometimes. Mm. We use a really nice liner. It's called Perfect Crust Liner. It soaks up the grease nice, kind of keeps the crust as as good as it can. Oh, fun. But yeah, just the fact that that whole milk cheese and the brick cheese and the pepperoni, you know, all, oh, that, yeah. all that just adds up. Yeah. For those that are not familiar, can you talk about brick cheese? Because that's not something you can just go to your standard grocery store and just buy usually. Not here. Uh, like Illinois, Wisconsin, you can just go grab it. And it's, you know, just with all the other cheese. Um, it's a Wisconsin cheese. Uh, it's very similar to, some people say it's very similar to a Mott's. I find it saltier and creamier, mm. mm-hmm. uh, more buttery. In a substitution, I like to use Munster. The outside, the oh, nice. the, the orange rind outside is different on a Munster, but otherwise the inside is like kind of similar. 
soft, creamy, buttery, salty, yummy. Yeah, and it's interesting, those kind of regional cheeses, like a St. Louis-style pizza with the Provel, which is sort of a Velveeta type, you know, construction there. So totally different. Yeah, kind of a regional thing. Um, I don't honestly know why they don't ship it out or make it in other places. You can very seldom find it anywhere besides like Illinois, Wisconsin, maybe Indiana, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, Obviously Michigan because Detroit style pizza and they, they clearly had it, you know, cause they invented it. So, so yeah, I don't know. It's just really yummy. Like, yeah, you should try to be there when we're shredding cheese and just like, Ooh. oh, I'll eat a little piece of this one, little piece of this one. Mm, super I, good. I may so. have to, to, <laughs> to come and see over there. I'd, I'd definitely be willing to- Check out the process. To, I'll feed yeah. you some ingredients in the meantime. Please, I'd, I'd be willing to work for cheese. I'm, 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 I'm good for that. <laughs> that's so. easy. You're cheap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> it's cheap labor. Come on in. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I uh, and last time I was up there, you actually invited me on the bus, which was cool. So I kind of got to see a little bit of the behind the scenes. You know, we just got to talk for a little bit as middle of service. Yeah. And uh, thank you. Yeah, you're always welcome to come check it out man i I appreciate that it's it's just fun and i I love the fact that you're willing to share and you know you you grew your own pizza process and refining it and continually learning in pursuit of what you want for pizza and i think there's what's nice is there's room maybe not in your stomach every day but there's room in the (laughs) world for all the different styles and types because there are so many and i i love the the community and the ethos of pizza is fantastic. Absolutely. And there's always room for more pizza. Always room and for Will more And I'll pizza. encourage you to open one right next door to me. Let's do it. Let's get a pizza party going down the block. You know, let's <laughs> I love it. I have a whole line of them going. Yeah. You know, just because you're a pizza lover too. I was like, we can just eat it all the time. I'll go to this place one day, this place one day. So um, I think that's another reason there's a cool community behind pizza. It's just uh, to us, there's really not any shortage. Like we can keep going pretty that's easily. <laughs> I'm so glad what, uh, you know, yourself and, and so, you know, Izzy's and uh, I think really Backlot are probably the only two places around that serve a Detroit style pizza in Omaha. I believe so that I know of right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, but Omaha's pizza, I mean, we've, we've always had tasty pizza here and there's lots of, well, okay. There's the actual literal tasty pizza, pizza. Um, but it's so cool to see in the last five years or so Izzy's coming on the scene and things like that. The variety that you can get in Omaha now, it's not just one it's type. Awesome. There's all sorts of I things. I feel like I came here at just the right time. Like, cause For sure. I'm going to go eat it all too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. There's a, quite a few places that are opening. And I think there's one or two more opening soon. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, there is. I know of at least two more newer places opening soon. So yeah, it's, the variety is really cool right now. David from Virtuoso and some other people. And we've all set up a... Uh, Metro Omaha Pizza Alliance as well. Yeah, talk so, about that a little bit. Yeah, that's just basically a whole group of pizza shop owners in town. You know, the independents, again, none of the chain type of thing. Um, but a lot of the ones you've heard of, a lot of the ones you've talked about, everyone's invited. But yeah, we just kind of social hour, chat about business. Uh, we'll have a little, you know, session of, you know, topics we might want to talk about, so stuff going on. Yeah. Does anyone need help with this? You know, we're trying to maybe even move into maybe we have some kind of a labor pool because, you know, labor is a hard thing it's right now. super tough. Some of us maybe have some pizza people that would like to share jobs, go over here one day, here one day. So yeah. a lot of ideas in the works. David's pretty much the head of it all, and he's kind of invited everyone else in into the idea, and it's been it's blossoming pretty cool. So I love it. Yeah, just another thing. Like, there's – I love all styles of food, so I would never knock one, but you're um, – there's not like the Omaha Cheeseburger Club. So it's like <laughs> kind of cool you, to have this exclusive thing that we can go and just, you know, talk about something. You have that shoulder to, like, I ask some of these guys questions all the time. Like, why is my dough doing this? Or can you 
point me to a sales rep for this or hey do you have this so I love it. So, so not only is the the pizza community in general helpful, the Omaha uh, pizza community and kind of a microcosm here is really, you know, helping each other and just helping make pizza better and helping small business and just good things across the board. Absolutely, it's yeah. We just uh, we want everyone to just know we're all trying and we're all making awesome pizza here. So uh, let's just do it all together and just make make it a thing. Well, Brett Geiger of Izzy's Pizza Bus. If people need to see what's going on with the bus and try to locate your pizza in case you're not at Trucks and Taps or wherever you are. How do people find you? Yeah, come find us. We're the only ones making pizza in a school bus in town. So if you <laughs> see that, if you see us rolling around, you know, follow, follow me if you want. Yeah, follow me online, Izzy's Pizza Bus, either on Facebook or Instagram. Pretty active on both. I do post a schedule all the time. Don't worry, I will definitely get a schedule out. It's weird because we're a food truck. Some days we're here, some days we're there. A little variety, so... Just follow us on social media. You'll see any fun stuff we're doing, any new food, lots of stuff coming up. So just give us a follow and stay tuned. Love it. And maybe some personal advice from me when ordering. You can often pre-order your pizza from Izzy's Pizza Bus. Yes, so you yeah. can secure your pizza. You can do, we do a limited amount of pre-orders just to kind of get some orders worked in there and pace our night a little bit better than getting hit all at once. It sure. kind of, because our pizza is a little wait time. So yeah, go on our website, izzyspizzabus.com. Um, Typically, just a few hours before our event, I'll open a select amount of pre-orders. That way, you don't have to wait if you don't want. But we love when you come wait and you support whatever business we're at, too. So Absolutely. come out and just hang out and see us. That's awesome. And, you know, as we were mentioning, creating this dough takes days in advance. There's only so much that can be on the bus. So um, go and check one of these out. Um, and I can guarantee that you will have a fun experience. I mean, just seeing the bus in general tends to put a smile on my face anyway. And then the fact that there's hot, delicious, tasty pizza coming out of that for me, even better. So try owning it. You just yeah. <laughs> walk up to it every day. It's like, oh man, this thing smells and looks so cool. I, I, I still love it. It's my baby. I love that fact because it's one of those things where I was, you know, always worried about maybe working at my favorite restaurant or whatever that you get tired of it. But that's awesome to hear that you still I love like that turning thing. that key. When I go on vacation and I come back and I look at it, I'm like, ah, there ah, he is. Home again. It's my dude. That's awesome. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day because I know, you know, life as a small business owner and restaurant owner and food truck owner, it just keeps going and going and going. So thank you so much for spending time with me today. Of course. You too. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Fantastic. And we'll sign it off like this. This is Dave Zorka with Fatterday Omaha. And until we eat again, stay hungry and get some pizza. Bye. Our show is recorded and produced by Fatterday Omaha. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as email fatterdayomaha at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay hungry. Saturday Omaha. Eat this.